You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 32. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, the podcast designed to grow young ministers. This is Tim Lucas, and with me today in our shiny, extravagant virtual studio is Ryan Goff and Nigel Ali. How's it going, guys? It's going good. Fantastic. Well, let's start off, Nigel. How, how have uh, things been going for you? I know you've been evangelizing, and I see you're always out, but we don't get to talk enough. How, how have things been going for you? It's going great, bro. I uh, thank God for opening doors and uh, that we can partner with uh, pastors to bring revival into churches. And we've been seeing God do great and mighty things with healing and people filled with the Holy Ghost and lives being transformed and that's what it's all about is preaching the gospel and uh, I love it I love seeing uh, what God does in every service right now we've been privileged to help home mission churches and fantastic moves of God it, it's a great feeling to come beside pastors that are trying to start up work and trying to dig something out in a in a town and uh, to be part of that work and, and to see that work grow. And we were in a church a couple, of, well, about two months ago, I guess. And there were six first-time visitors there. The whole family came in and, you know, never had experienced a apostolic move of God. And by the end of that service, three of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Wow, and that's awesome. I hear this, the whole family still there, still coming strong. And uh pastor said they're helping in the altars. They're just hungry for the wow, things wow. of God. And and since then, all of them have been baptized in Jesus' name. And mm-hmm. all of them That's are awesome. filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you hear reports like that, you're like, this is worth it. That's what we, oh, yeah, that's man. why we are out there, you know. Amen. Yeah, for Praise sure. God. So, That's yeah, awesome. man, we do. it's going great. Just. If we can continue to pass the word around, uh, listeners, if you could tell your pastors or, you know, district superintendent, whoever it is, that we are out there to, to help wherever, wherever we can, however we can, uh, we truly appreciate it. Yeah, it's true. And Nigel, I mean, he's, he's, he's available. So he's a free agent. So, Amen. you know, pastors, if you're listening and you just want to break, well, you know what evangelists do, but. I honestly, and this is not just because we're friends, not just because we are co-hosts on the podcast, but I really, I've always uh, enjoyed Nigel's ministry, and I, I really can't imagine anyone who would not benefit from it. Um, so I yes. highly recommend you talk, find somebody that knows him if you don't trust my judgment, because everybody that that knows him and has experienced his ministry is going to agree with me. Is going to benefit your church far more than. Um, than anything you will do to to help him. And I love to, you know, I see so often you're helping the, the, the smaller churches. And right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are ministers out there who, and I've actually heard some who they require like a deposit to go preach for. Now know. that that's not Pentecostal. But yeah, yeah. even you young ministers, really? re- uh, you know, they require a deposit heard, to come I to a church. Heard, yeah. I've heard I've of never heard of that. I've heard of preachers <laughs> saying, um, "I charge five hundred dollars for a service." You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I asked my mentor and my father in the Lord, actually, you know, Brother Stone King, uh, you know, what he thought of that, and I got a very uh, hard rebuke. <laughs> he told me, "Nigel Ali, don't you ever tell a pastor how much to pay you." According to the Bible, we are supposed to preach the gospel, and you go and preach your right. heart out, and the and the church gives you a good offering. Don't you ever yeah. tell any pastor how much to pay you. Wow. And so I've right. never, ever told a pastor how much to pay me. I, I don't care if they give me $50 or don't give me yeah. anything. I'll, I'll yeah. still preach the gospel. You yeah. Know? yeah, God will more than make it up yes. for you. It don't matter, man. And God didn't tell you yeah. to build a business. Exactly. God exactly. didn't tell you to build a ministry. Right. Us, not just you individually, right. but yeah, no, you as to, to the minister. God told us yeah. to preach the word. Yeah. And I've heard preachers say this. I love it. He said, if you'll be about the kingdom's business, mm-hmm. God will be about your business. Yes. And if you take Amen. care of the kingdom business, the king will take care of your business. And and Amen. it's so true. And I'm very We're not going to be cushy. I learned that. 
very early. Yeah, we're not going to have comfortable lives in the sense of, you know, extra houses, vacation mm-hmm. houses here and there. And I, w- I, you know, it's all distracting anyways, and it takes away from the purpose. Right. You know, but it, but when we are given, and to I believe to the degree that we are given to the kingdom's business, mm-hmm. God will give himself to our business. Amen. Um, Amen. You know, that really brings up something too, that in my mind, that we were kind of talking about before the show. Um, I just came back this morning, actually, as we record from NAYC. I was only there for the last day or last evening, actually. Brother Jer- uh, Jason Staten preached from Maryland. Always have enjoyed his ministry. But he preached a really good message. Basically, I'm not going to detail it all, but he listed um, three things. And we're going to get into those three things in a little bit. <clears throat> but, but what that brings to my mind um, is, you know, I saw a lot of people that I know, of course. We had kind of a miniature ABI reunion at the booth, um, saw uh, so many people, um, saw my new district superintendent, Brother Pasley, was very good. Brother Pasley's uh, the district superintendent there in Ohio now? He is, mm-hmm. yes, oh, so, which man. is oh, wow. a little strange situation, because our former district superintendent, Brother Mark Jordan, is very well-loved, very well-respected, mm-hmm. been the district superintendent for 30-some years, and from, of course, they don't release the information, but from what I hear, it was a very narrow margin that he did not get the two-thirds majority. Mm. Because after so many years, you're at term limits, and the only way to get in is on right. the nominating ballot to get a two, two you know, sixty-six yeah. or more uh, percent of the vote. Um, and so he didn't get it. And but I, from what I hear, it's very close. Which to me, it's like okay, if a guy gets well over half, and he's not even allowed to run, it, like there's got to be a better system. I understand that term limits is good. You don't want somebody politically running things and all that, but. You know, if he's the man for the job, who are we to say, well, you have so many years and then I don't care what God says, you're out, you know, I don't know. Um, I feel like anyways. sometimes with the, well, I don't want to go off no, on no, a no, rabbit trail. Go ahead, go ahead. And honestly, Tim, I don't, I don't even know if I want. Put it out there. Be controversial. Well, no, <laughs> I'm not in a position to do that too much. And thankfully, I don't think too many people listen, but. <laughs> it feels like when with things like that, it seems like when someone gets into a position and here in in, in our district, I've kind of noticed this a little bit is that it, it's almost as if they're they're there and nobody's really going to challenge that. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, like even though there may be men that are more than qualified to do that. Yeah, there's a it's I don't I don't want to say popularity, but like it, it just. I, I don't know. I, it, well, and I, I do know what you're saying, and it's true because what we feel like, and to some extent it's true, we feel like a vote for anybody but the incumbent is a vote to remove them from office. You know, and so we feel like, oh, I'm not voting for who I think the best candidate is. I'm voting to take that person out of office. And I, you know, there's a lot of guys who I may not think is the number one choice. Maybe they're the number two choice, but I'm never going to vote to take them out of office. And so I think that kind of does become yeah. the, the challenge. Yeah, because I mean, when you're the district superintendent for thirty some years, you know that that's awesome that you that you led the district and and uh, that you stayed faithful. But there's, I just feel like that role, especially that changing that, is a good thing for the district. Not to say not to say that that like for instance the you know the 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 general superintendent. I don't know how many. Is there a limit on how many years they can? It's the same same thing. They have to get a two thirds majority. Okay. Um, and so I I I think there's two sides to it. Of course, I just feel like if there's someone who's strong enough that they can get, you know, say sixty four percent of the vote, that many people in the district still want them, but we're gonna say sorry, you don't get to have them, even though that's what you want. You know, and I understand. Yeah. That. There is a benefit sometimes. Sometimes it needs to change. Sometimes it's just kind of the old guard that's just hanging on. Nothing's really changing the district. And so there is two sides to it for sure. It's just because if you don't know, if if people don't know you, you're not going to get in. Yeah. And like, for instance. So uh, so what's your strategy right now, Ryan, to uh, get promoted to district <laughs> superintendent? Well, I'm keeping my head as low as possible. <laughs> yeah. No, um, which, yeah, bro, um, actually, it's interesting. Brother Enzi is going to age out this year. 
Mm. And it's funny. I was talking to my brother. It's like anytime anybody ages out from the youth department, everybody just slides up. Like the secretary yeah. becomes a president, and it's like the the district pr- or the promotions guy becomes a secretary. Yeah. And and the things that make you a good secretary don't necessarily make you no, a good president. Good president. Things that make true, you a good man. promotions guy don't necessarily make you a good secretary. That is true. And so it's kind of like that in construction. They always find like guys who are really good workers, like electricians, and make them foremen. Well, the thing that makes you a good foreman is completely different than the thing that makes you a good electrician. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it's like, I've heard in business world that the standard operating procedure is to promote someone until the point they can't do the job and then fire them. And then fire them. <laughs> you know, it's like, maybe that's a little harsh, but you know, it's kind of true. Like, and, and it's so everybody prides himself on, oh, we promote from within. I think, I think part of that though is, we don't know. I mean, I know I, I have no idea what the youth president really does. Raise money. Right. So any department head raises money. So I think that the time. if you're the, it, like, it just, it just doesn't feel like there's really a whole, like, it's all kind of together. Do you know what I mean? Unless the guy, unless, cause I know you, you, you know, you preach a lot. Uh, you do a lot of that stuff. So, there could be that aspect of it, like, you know, as far as maybe well, they cost they're vision, more of a teacher know. rather than uh, an evangelist. I feel like, you know, a lot of the youth president, well, the youth, uh, the national youth president, they're always preaching out and traveling and doing stuff like that. Um, yeah. Who is the youth secretary, by the way? I don't even know. Carson. Josh Carson, which I really like him. I love, I love the guy, man. And so He's I'm in good. no way critiquing the current, you know, next in line at all. I think Josh Carson everything i can tell he's he'll do a great job as he's president he's a solid um, guy just in every area you know where's he from is he from the east coast south or i have no idea midwest uh, i've never i know michael enzi was from texas yeah he's from yeah, texas yeah his his dad is here in as well right conroe, yeah conroe texas dad's very well respected his dad yeah. wrote a book that i'm really looking forward to reading uh, was gifted to me called which bible to use oh, okay and we're it's talking about the you know the translation issue which we'll leave that alone yeah <laughs> um which for the listeners um you wouldn't know this but we got into a good discussion on that in a previous episode but it made the episode run long so i took it out um, but we'll we'll talk about that subject at some point in the future um maybe we can invite brother bernard on he can t- <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brother Bernard and um, Brother Enzi can can debate because I think Brother Enzi supports King James version. Yeah, um, and Brother Bernard supports the non-inspired version. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, not that brother, not that brother uh, Bernard doesn't support King James. I think he just. Well, I'm not gonna try to. I was gonna I really say, here know. we go, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, on the matter. It is funny though, like. And I've always thought this, people who say, and this will be the last thing I say on this, but people who support the modern versions, they always say, well, it's easier to read. Well, okay, I, I disagree on a lot of the, a lot of, some of them are, some of them are less easy to read in my opinion. But, um, but it's funny how hard some of them, f- and not all, all people who support modern translations, but some of them fight the King James Version. Right. And it's like, if you just think it's easier to read. Why do you care? If somebody wants to use King James, why do you care? Yeah. But some of them fight it so hard. And I'm like, I don't get it. And it's probably because um, they want to justify the fact that they're not that using they can't King read James. <laughs> well, not I mean, it's just, that, just that they're just not kidding. using it. Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Man, I don't remember where to go back to. Uh, so I saw a lot of ABI alumni, um, like Brother Pasley, who's my new district superintendent. I saw Brother Chapman, of course, which is a pleasure. He started a uh, beautiful rendition and all of those at the kind of miniature informal impromptu uh, ABI alumni reunion at the booth. Um, we started seeing ABI is a school we love in the halls and boy, did we make it ring. And uh, many nice. people walking by were like, what? what's going on? So that was kind of fun. Um, uh, Seth did say that they've had over a hundred um, fill out cards saying they were interested, which is wonderful. Um, so, so the ABI is definitely doing good things. It was very good to see. We saw so many people that, you know, I didn't really even expect to see. I saw Eddie Gomez, which I haven't seen him Ooh. in a long time. It was nice to see him. We saw the Priestlers, 
which was very good as well. Um, that was pretty cool. They're up in Art Wilson's church now, which is very close to us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to get together again. Um, we saw we saw a lot of people. I don't want to go down listing names. Uh, but one, one of the people, and this is the connection to Nigel, what you were talking about. Taking me so long to get here. I saw Chris Nicholson. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, but he's pastoring now. Kind of on the Tennessee-Kentucky border. Mm-hmm. He told me, he said, actually, I think if I understood right, their sanctuary is in Tennessee and their family life center is in Kentucky. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they're that close to the border. But, but So they're there. And he was talking to me. He's like, you know, it's so weird how so many people, like, he's like, some of them say it in, in a polite way. Some of them don't say it, but I can see it in their eyes. And they'll say things like, well, you know, how old are you? And he's like, I can see it in their eyes. They're saying, oh, you're too young to be pastoring. You know, and he's like, I'm 32. Like, but people forget. That when our organization was founded, church starters were 19, 20, 21 mm-hmm. years old. Most of the churches that are now vibrant churches were started by sub 25 year olds. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then in the sermon by Brother Staten, he was talking about, you know, there's guys 60 years old planting churches. He's like, and that's fine, but where, come on, guys, get up. Let's do something. Let's, and I agree, you know, I see it in people's eyes too. They always look at me and, and they don't judge so much and I don't mind it. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. But they look at me like, wow, you're kind of young to be pastoring. Yeah. No, I'm really not. No, you know, right. um, now when you look at the rest of the district, I'm actually even in my old district. Now, Ohio has some really great young ministers, but, and, and to be fair, S- Southern California district is a younger district as a district itself. But I was among the younger youngest of the ministers. There was a few, you know, my age, I wasn't the only one, but there was very few younger than me licensed. And then here too, there, there's a few that were seeking license or younger, but for the most part, licensed ministers, I was among the youngest mm. and, and most of them are not pastoring. So I definitely am seen as a younger pastor. Now in this district, I'll say, I haven't really run into that. I don't even see that look in people's eyes very much of, of you're too young to be pastoring. Right. And, and so that's I it should think, be. It should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There. But I think really a big part of it too, this just came to my mind. You know, Paul told Timothy, don't let people despise your youth. Right. Now, a lot of young preachers take that wrong. And that, so they stand up, they're like, oh, don't, you know, I'm not, you know, don't, don't judge me because of my youth. And they, they kind of make this like they're fighting for, for respect. Well, that's not what Paul said. Keep reading. He said, don't let people despise your youth. But instead, so he's saying, this is how you keep mm-hmm. people from despising yours. Be an example, example of the believers in word in conversation and charity and faith and purity and spirit. So he's like, you, you, be, you be an example in purity. You be an example in lifestyle. You be an example in your love. You be an example in your word. Mm-hmm. Everything you do, you be an example for believers. And then no one will despise your youth. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes the answer for us is, A, just step up. Stop being so immature. And then also, don't worry about it. Just get out there and do something you know, and, and do something for God. And when you start doing something, he'll take you places you never expected to go. So that's part of it. And the other part, it was something I noticed among some of the other ABI graduates that I was talking to, and I saw them talking to other people. And some of them, I could tell when they're telling, you know, because the thing you ask, oh, what you doing now? Where are you at? Whose church you at? You know, what are you doing in the church? And, and uh, some of them, it, you could tell the way they said, they're like, oh, I'm just a youth pastor. Uh, yeah. Maybe they didn't say those words, but you could tell in their in their voice they were kind of embarrassed that they weren't doing more, and and you know they would see someone else that, that they felt like was doing more is intimidating, and that's completely wrong. Being a pastor is not better than being a youth pastor <laughs> or an assistant pastor. And I remember our great class with Brother Jokey, and he talked about the importance of a second man ministry. Oh, amen. Man, what an incredible alumni who's done so much for the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. But it, he's never pastored, right? And based on the way he's taught, I don't know that he ever will. Yeah. You know, and I think we got to get out of our heads this title. Right. Right. Thing. And and it's not just us young guys. It's it's part of our organization. Yeah. But we've just somehow got to get away from these titles because they don't matter to God. Becoming a pastor is not, you know, the mentality is uh, you have arrived or I I have to (laughs) arrive at this place, you know. Yeah. You will never arrive, you know. No, and (laughs) and I certainly don't have the answers at 32. And if I had become a pastor at 26, I wouldn't have the answers then. If I waited till I was 62 to become the pastor, I wouldn't have all the answers. So yeah. Jesus in the in the scriptures never said to, to become the pastor was the ultimate goal. 
No. You, you preach the gospel, you know what I mean? You you Absolutely. expand the kingdom of God. It did not matter yeah. which areas. Either you're a deacon or, uh, you know, a bishop or whatever you are, you're, you're part yeah. of the kingdom. And yeah, that's a that's a mentality that needs to get rid of. That's that just goes to show that there's a lot of comparison. You know, what I mean, comparing there is uh, each other. That I'm doing more than you are. No, we are together. You know, in this, it doesn't matter yeah. what you're doing. We are together in this. Yeah, I yeah. Have to for say sure. that it's easy to fall into that trap because I, I mean, that's happened with me. People have asked me, you know, how things have been going, what's what's been what have you been doing? And in my mind I'm like, How can I make this sound <laughs> as yep. glorious as possible? <laughs> it's true. And I you know what? This just came to my mind too. I bet it's because of social media. Because that's yeah. what social media is. Yeah. Yeah. How can I make my life look more glamorous than it is? Right. And that's why we spend thirty minutes trying to pose our kids. Right. You know? Uh, or get them to say something cute for a Facebook video and make it seem like we didn't coach them. Uh-huh. Or, you know, or whatever. No, that's true, um, and, and that's a scary place to be. And I, and I, and I hear you, uh, Ryan, because when I uh, began evangelizing here in the states, uh, you know, in Fiji, I didn't even care. It was all about just preaching the gospel. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what we got to do. We we set up chairs in the church and clean toilets and clean the. Uh, you know, church property yeah. to whatever we did, we felt like we were being part of the kingdom of God. And that was the mindset. That's how the missionaries portrayed it, that, you know, everything is, is being uh, instrumental for the kingdom of God. I come to the States, you know, at, at 27, at the peak of my if I can say that way, I, I just feel wait, wait. You already peaked. No, come no, no, on, no. Nigel. I, I, that's why I retrieved with my statement. No, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just. No, when it was exciting, when I was traveling, I was going, and and then come to ABI, become a student again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything oh, came yeah. to a halt, and you feel like, okay, what, what's going on? And then you people, I graduated, I became assistant pastor, and I'm like. I'm hiding in a little town that nobody knows. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, what has my life come to? You know what I mean? Yeah. But you are, you're working for the kingdom of God, but you begin to see on social media <laughs> what everybody else is doing and all that. And then I stepped out to evangelize, and I'm like, I'm not doing good enough. Look at all these guys right. that are, that are yeah. you know, preaching in big churches and traveling the world and I I'm, I want to do that, but the Lord rebuked me again. You you're called to preach the gospel, and right. yeah, it is it is very difficult to uh, shut all that out. And you got to know your calling. You know that I'm yeah. just, I'm called for the kingdom at such a time as this, and you do the best where you at. And we forget, yeah, that all those other people, yeah. That they're exaggerating, not intentionally necessarily, but they're framing everything they're posting as good as they can. Right. And so it's like we're comparing our normal day to everybody else's highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So many of them are just as insecure as we are. And to be honest, so many times we compare ourselves with people who are flat out lying too. I'm not (laughs) saying majority, but there's people that I I hear evangelists sometimes say, oh, so-and-so got the Holy Ghost. Well, I was standing right there and they, I'm normally not antagonistic (laughs) or, but they did not get the Holy Ghost. They stuttered. Yeah. You know, and stammering lips. I, I'm I'm just not movie. gonna be a part of that. Yeah. I'm not gonna be a part of that. And I'm not gonna compare myself to and I'm not gonna judge. Oh yeah. And it and it there was a while where I was I really struggled because every time a, a few, especially evangelists, would say, Oh, we had so and so so many get the Holy Ghost, I'd be like, Now how many really got the Holy Ghost? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and partly it was their fault because I had heard them lie before. Yeah. Um, now I'm sure they're not intentionally lying, they just Evangelistic. I don't know. Speaking. They've convinced. <laughs> they've convinced themselves that they're telling the truth. Yeah, you know what? They, they need to ask the pastor how many received the Holy Ghost, and then I never post anything on Facebook unless I run it yeah. through the pastor. Say, is this okay? Is that? Is this how many received the Holy Ghost? And if they yeah. say yes, then then you know. Uh, I the other day I posted, and it was funny because I thought this. I'm like. Uh, I've I've seen people post, you know, twenty received the Holy Ghost, hundred received the Holy Ghost, and I put, I, I was rejoicing 
over that one that received the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, why am I not going to post this? I'm going to post this and let everyone just one, you know, that's all that we are called to do. If one repents and, and turns their way towards God, we are a success. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Be encouraged, Ryan. Be encouraged. Well, I received some sound advice. I I had the opportunity to spend the weekend with my grandparents. They're from Alaska. They're, uh, they were down visiting, they were down visiting my parents in Medford. And, uh, yeah, I have a a lot of family up in Homer. Um, Homer. Jenny. That's where Jenny's from. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, that's where Jenny's from anymore. Sorry. The Jenny. (laughs) Yeah. The Jenny (laughs) and the Alex. Yeah. We actually had that. We found out that connection when I got to ABI. Uh, uh-huh, found okay. out that she actually went to school with a couple of my cousins. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, in Homer. And uh, we were talking Sunday night. Uh, I had preached at the church there a Sunday morning. And that night we were talking – or no, it was the next morning. We were getting ready to leave and on the, just this last Monday. And he asked me what my plan was or if I knew like what was going to be happening. I kind of got into that situation like I was just mentioning where I was thinking to myself, okay, how can I frame this? And then I yeah. thought, and, and it was, and I'm like, you know, this is my grandpa. It is fine. And so I just started telling him, you know, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm really at this crossroads right now where I'm not really sure. It's not that I'm not sure. It, I had let the busyness of life crowd out some of the things that I need to do, which is consistently praying yeah. on a daily basis, but not just praying. Like I pray every night with the kid, with the boys before they go to bed, but getting alone and getting with God. And right. I, cause I was talking to him about, you know, what we came out here for. And that was to, you know, either start a church or take one over or whatever. And he started talking to me and he, he started talking about just the goodness of God. And that when I pray, he's like, you know, if you really want to know, Ryan, he's like, you, when you go to pray, you cannot have any preconceived ideas. Of what you want the Lord to tell you. That's true. In other words, mm-hmm. you're in a you're in a place right now where you're not really sure because you haven't been spending as much time in prayer. And when yeah. you do go to spend time in prayer now, don't try to tell God to reaffirm what you feel like you're gonna do. Because we got we're talking about family and he's saying, you know, you you have your wife, you have your children, you have a job, you're you're working at a church, like you're doing things, kinda like what we're talking about, you know, you're doing things for the kingdom already. If you feel like you're called, God will reaffirm that, first of all. But if in prayer you feel like God tells you, you need to focus on your family right now, that is just as noble of a cause as feeling like you need to go to the jungles of Africa. You know what I mean? First ministry. Exactly. And not trying to put words into God's mouth, but let God speak to you. And, and be willing to accept whatever he lays on your heart, which I really needed to hear because even though I feel like I should know that, I realized after he had spoke this to me that in my description to him, I was basically saying, you know, I need God to reaffirm. I'm only expecting God to do what as far as planting a church. But my my more thing was where, like, where should I go? And yeah. he's saying, you know, slow down. It's more... He, you need to reaffirm what it is. Yeah. No, and it, it reminds me of how the disciples, Peter being so anxious to do something that he, he was, he, uh, you know, before the day of Pentecost, he was getting stir crazy. And he's like, hey, guys, you know, we're supposed to have a 12th. We don't have a 12th. And of course, it's speculation, but a lot of pr- ministers and, and theologians think that Paul was supposed to be the 12th replacement for Judas. And, uh, but they went ahead and, and they drew lots. Mm-hmm. And my problem with what they did is they said, Lord, do you want this one or this one? Yeah. They should have at least put a third one in that said neither. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, I think sometimes we do that. We're like, Lord, do you want me to become an evangelist or a church planner? It's like, well, maybe there is a neither. Yeah. You know? And I'm not saying in your case, but um, but then the other flip side is, um, and of course, we often hear too that there's no rebuke for um fleecing god ever recorded in the scripture and so of course we don't want to doubt and all that but also there there's god likes it when we want to know what he wants yeah but I, i've also heard and i recently heard a preacher as chester wright talking about he's like you know when we pray and we haven't heard a word from god we're asking for a word from god well when he gives that word to us a promise or you know direction 
we don't need to keep asking. Mm-hmm. At that point, you pray the promise because that's the rhema. God gave you the word and you keep praying. So once, and he's like, you just keep declaring it. He's like, we, you know, and, and this is true. I remember I was memorizing first Timothy and Paul tells Timothy, he's like, Hey, you need to war by the prophecies. He said, don't forget to war by the prophecies. How does he war by the prophecies? The things that have been spoken into your life, hold on to those and restate them, stay them over and over Amen. and over. Cause that's how you war. And so once you get that word, you know, and I'm not saying you, but us, once right. you get a word, we don't let go of that, you know, and, and we keep saying, we're not like, Lord, send, you know, in my case, and this is something, I don't know that it's directly from the Lord, but all I've ever felt, I've been praying, Lord, I want revival. And I was just thinking, out of nowhere, it came, you know, 20%. And I was like, okay, that's strange. I'm like, well, so I looked it up, 20%. Well, that's like 3,500 people. So I've started praying. I'm like, Lord, until you tell me otherwise, I believe you have you have planned for this city to have a church of 3,500. Now, that's crazy because our city has 17,000 in it. But is that really crazy? To think that only two out of ten people should be serving God in mm. truth, yeah, is that the is that the the power of God that we believe in that twenty percent is over ambitious? You know, you're telling me that eighty percent of people should be serving the devil, right? Or right. in in false doctrine? I don't think so, Mm-mm. right? Um, you know, and so I don't know, but I think that's awesome, Zach. You you said that this is recently in prayer. Well, from like. Well, uh, I think like right before I came, I started praying. I was praying for 10%, mm-hmm. uh, you know, saying, Lord, I want, I want to see 10%. And then I just kind of, I don't know that it was the Lord, but I just felt, you know, I was just praying. And I just kind of thought the number 20% came on. I was like, God, I'm not going to be casual about this and, and reserved. Mm-hmm. At least, I want to be at least 25%. Or I mean, at least 20%, at least 20%, which would be about 3,500, 3,600. And that doesn't mean they all need to be in under me or, or under one pastor. I don't care if there's five churches in the city. You know, right. think about it. If there's 3,500 people, can we not support five churches of 700 people? Mm-hmm. We just, if we're going to reach our world, we've got to kind of let go of some of the preconceived ideas. Yeah, man. Then the, you, the key word is reach our world. You know what I mean? That's and, what, and they turn their world yeah. upside down. If nationwide, our average mm-hmm. is less than 1%, I, I can't accept that we're fulfilling God's purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And what, it, I would rather Lord say, hey, c- calm down. You're getting a little overexcited here. Back down your dreams a little bit rather than him having to be like, come on. I, I, we never see that in scripture where, where the men of God have bigger dreams than God does. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm hoping that when we get, start getting up around 2,500, 3,000, that the Lord is going to say, hey, I'm not the one who told you 3,500. That was your own thing. You got to dream bigger. But why not? Yeah. You know, I think our problem is we try to speed it up. That which is true. Yeah, God didn't tell. And this is the problem. That's your, you're right. That's a problem we do sometimes. We're like, God told me we're going to church 3,500. So I believe it's going to happen in five years. Well, he didn't say five years. You know, you, you want it to happen in five years. So you yeah. got to be careful about that. But yeah. So I guess moving on from that a little bit, we're, the sermon he talked about, and this is something I think is so important. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole sermon. I think it's available if you want to buy it or, or find it. You can buy, I'm sure you could go through Facebook and find the Facebook live videos <laughs> and piece it together. Um, a GUID, actually, I think, Facebook Live. So you could watch the whole sermon. But it, it, um, essentially, he was saying that as we pass from the former generation to the current generation, there's three main things that we really need to keep in our life that we can't let go of. One, of course, is doctrine. And that would in, um, encompass a doctrine of, of uh, the oneness of God, the salvation plan laid out in the Bible that we're not going to compromise on that. It's absolutely written. And we're not going to compromise or try to make it easier or change it the third thing is um holiness of course we're not going to walk away from that we're going to be strong on separation and, and honestly i don't think that's a problem i the generation i see now i think I as think we continue hungry. to move forward yeah they are and i think the problems we're having is because of lack of teaching mm-hmm. not because of lack of desire for the most part mm-hmm. um and i know there's always going to be a few outliers but anyway so that's Point number one is doctrine. Point number two is a demonstration. We've got to pursue the demonstration of the Spirit. Paul said, I came to you not in word only or eloquent words, but in the demonstration of the Spirit. So we've got to have the demonstration. Um, that's kind of what makes us Pentecostal. If the Spirit's not demonstrating, that's not just miracles, um, but if the Spirit is not manifesting, it's it's a hard sell to convince me that the service is truly a Pentecostal service. 
Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean we're yelling and screaming and shouting, which sometimes we equate with Pentecostalism. <laughs> um, but if, if we're not demonstrating the power, then, then we need to be on, you know, find and find out why. Third thing and, and was ministry in action. We don't just talk about it, but we are ministering. Oh, and that's not, amen. you know, just handing out water bottles or whatever. And that's great. We want to help people in the physical way, but that we are, you know, he was talking about, you know, those lines in the back of your Bible after Revelation on the map. Paul's missionary journeys, those lines aren't there because Paul's told his scribe, hey, it would look really nice if you drew a line here. Mm. Those lines were because he was walking, and later on, somebody wrote that line down. And we'd have those lines on our map of things we've done, that we're doing. And so this goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, too. It's time for us young guys to not just sit around and be like, hey, somebody tell me what to do, or somebody give me a pulpit. You don't get, people don't give you pulpits. You've got to not, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but you've got to earn it in the sense of you, the pulpit is, is way down the line. Your ministry doesn't start in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. The pulpit is where you've been ministering and now someone says, Hey, come on. I want you to share what you're doing with everybody. Right. Um, and, and so if you're not teaching Bible studies, why do you think you can preach a sermon? Now, now to be fair, if you can teach Bible studies, you can preach. Bible studies are a lot harder to teach or to mm-hmm. preach than, than sermons because when you're dealing with unsaved people, they're not going to be near as kind as Pentecostals will. Right. You can preach a real bad sermon and people will congratulate you and pay attention. Mm. But you're not too good at, at teaching Bible study. They're not going to show up. <laughs> the next you, one. you know, so it's a really good training ground. I, I've heard a lot of preachers say that they learn to preach teaching Bible studies. Yeah. Of course, Bible school too. Go to ABI. But yeah, so I, it's time for us to do something, you know, and not do what's comfortable. You never grow by doing what's comfortable. You you grow by doing things that are uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember when I was uncomfortable leading service. Actually, I was much more comfortable preaching than I was leading service, taking up an offering and taking prayer requests. You know, and you just got to do it and you yeah. get up. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. You just do it and then you do it again <laughs> and you'll get comfortable. And actually now I, I try to pay attention. And when I am in a situation where someone asks me to do something and I'm like, oh, wait, that makes me uncomfortable. That's when I say, yes, I'll do it because this is an opportunity for me to grow. Yeah. If it's easy, comfortable for me to do, then I'm not going to grow from doing it. Yeah. yeah. I, man, I, I remember as a young man, the missionary asking me to lead servers, song servers. And that was the most, and to this day, it's the most uncomfortable thing for me. <laughs> I do not like it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and one time I imagined singing, you know, uh, and, and, in in Fiji, the one person stood in front and led the people and kind of yeah. inspired them and kind of mini sermonettes and all of that, you know. And so I had to sing and, and he was playing, you know, my pastor was playing the keyboard and the the senior pastor, which is the missionary, he was just worshiping and all that. And then suddenly I felt his hand on the, you know, on my back and he held the microphone in the middle of the song service and pushed it close to my face and said, as a song leader, you got to sing. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, yeah. if, I, if I could dig a hole and just get in there, that would be, be great. But that anyway, was a teaching was, moment. Yeah, and they were they were they were focused in teaching you, don't be afraid, you know, even if you're uncomfortable. You got to do it. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? And yeah. you got to grow. You got to push yourself and do something that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, I, for me, my comfort zone was teaching Bible studies and uh, uh, I enjoyed that. But it wasn't at first. Not at first. Yeah, I started teaching Sunday school. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't comfortable at first either, probably. No, probably not. No, well, testifying wasn't even comfortable when yeah. I came in here. And uh, I first time that they asked me to testify, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, and I said it yeah. so loud that the whole church heard it. Like, and <laughs> <laughs> like, and and they wouldn't, they wouldn't prepare you nowadays. You know, uh, they tell you in advance or a week in advance right. that you'll be testifying. Just come, you know, come prepared in five ten minutes uh, back home as a as a kid uh, as a teenager. They would just. Song service would be going and say, "Hey, brother Nigel Ali, come come up and testify," you know. And you're like, "Yeah, just nerve wracking." But that was all training ground, pushing, stretching, you know, stretching your limits. And 
if if you're a young person listening, you start somewhere. Just start doing yeah. something. You know what I mean? Uh, and I know, I remember the missionary son, Brother Richard, he told us this, uh, that he was not comfortable. He was an introvert, and he did not like to talk to people. And he knew that was his weakness. That was not, you know, what he was comfortable with. He was comfortable messing with a computer or behind the piano doing his thing. But he mm-hmm. made yeah. himself, he pushed himself when he was in the middle of a crowd to go out of his way and make himself do it, you know, make himself talk to somebody. And uh, yeah. he went out of his comfort zone to teach him. And uh, later on, he became the pastor of uh, the church I was part of. And man, he was an uh, awesome pastor, you know. He was able to interact, talk to people. You would never think that he had this fear about uh, socializing because he was very comfortable by that time, you know. So just do it. Just do it. Yeah, just do something. If you are wanting to preach, and you, we kind of talked about this in our first episode, what do you do when you don't have a, a pulpit mm-hmm. and you feel like you're calling your pr- pastor won't let you preach? Go teach a Bible study. You can find that on your mm-hmm. own. It, or ask to teach a Sunday school class. Yeah. You know, to this day, I'd much rather, even last minute, mm-hmm. I would much rather someone, as far as comfortability, give me 15-minute notice that I'm going to preach a sermon mm-hmm. to the whole church than to give me a, a week notice to teach five-year-olds. Yeah. You know, like I am. So if you can teach Sunday school, don't you're going to you'll that's where you learn to pre- some people learn to preach, teach in Sunday yeah. school. You know what, Tim? Uh, this is something that a uh, couple of weeks ago I was invited to be part of a conference called Cultivate Conference where mm-hmm. uh, these, you know, somebody got a vision. This guy, Andy Gregg and his pastor, Brother Lajan. Uh, got a vision to kind of cultivate young young ministers, and they they called me to be part of the panel. And uh, I went there, you know, and uh, began to see the heart of pastors. And there was a guy named Brother Scoggins. I had never met him, but I had heard a lot of him. He used to be an evangelist, but now he's a pastor, you know. And he preached about telling pastors just to release your young people, just you know, a, a new convert, just to give them to teach and do something. You know, and we had a conversation in the hallway, and I and I felt this very strongly, and I wanted to just share that now, today, in this day and age, we used to say that, oh, we don't have the opportunity. Young people were saying, we don't have the opportunity to do anything. You know, we're not asked. But today, I think, uh, with the resources that have been av- made available to young ministers, young people in church, they don't have any excuse. We don't have any excuse as young people to say, "Oh, I don't know what to do." You know, I don't, I don't know where to start. There is so much available, even with you know, Brother Bernard, Brother Mangan, just preaching in different district conferences, advertising from the top. We are, we are releasing our young people. We are releasing our young people. You know. So there is no such thing as generational gap now. Uh, if you're not doing it. Is because you don't want to do it. Agreed. Yeah, you don't want to do it. You gotta. You got a lot of resources that you can get a hold of, and just get involved. And I'll tell you too, if the Lord's not giving you an opportunity to speak, take the opportunity to pray. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a regret, but the one thing I wish I'd done more of is developed a stronger mm-hmm. prayer life before. And, you know, before I started having responsibilities, if, and at each stage you think, well, when this stage is that, when you're, you know, in high school, you're probably like, well, I have so much work. When I get to college, I'll real, really be able to have extra time. <laughs> yeah. What a joke. You get to college and you're like, well, when I get out of college, I'm going to have so much extra time and I'll pray then. Yeah. Or, you know, when you're single and you're like, oh, when I get married, then <laughs> what a joke that is. You know, I'll have more time and, and this and that. And it, you're never going to have more time. You're going to have less and less time. So start it mm-hmm. now. Now is a time to develop a prayer life. And, you know, if you don't know how to pray, honestly, just go and commit. Say for 30 days, I'm going to sit. If I sit there and don't say a word, I'm going to sit there for 31 days for an hour and and try to pray. And if you pray for five minutes, but promise you're going to sit there for an hour without your phone, by the end of that 31 days, you're going to mm-hmm. figure out how to pray. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and I, I'm guilty of this. Even until recently, I was thinking, I was like, man, Lord, how do I teach people to pray? Like, I don't know how to teach people to pray. And, you know, I just realized, like, you just go sit there and there's going to be some uncomfortable times, but the Lord will teach you to pray. Mm -hmm. If you just commit and you're serious about it, he'll teach you to pray. 
even just meditating on the Lord. I mean, there's people go and just meditate. There's active prayer and there's meditation on the Lord and the good things of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just saw this actually in a, in a magazine article. I think it was Time. It was at work. And it was like 10 things to make you more healthy or whatever. And they said that they are proving they use yoga and meditation, but that the body actually begins to uh, heal itself or improve the well-being of it during these times of slowing down, meditating, becoming more positive. The body reacts to that. It takes better care of itself. Mm, it's, it's, it's basically a way of relieving stress because that emotional stress that all those types of things, they have negative effects on the body. Inflammation yeah. builds up. Mm-hmm. All these, it's like a cascade of events. And when you're taking time to slow down, which in this day and age is almost impossible, but when you take that time to slow down, pray, think about God, the mercies of God, the goodness of God, as my grandpa said. And what was so awesome when my grandpa was telling me that when he started talking about the goodness of God, he couldn't help but start crying. Mm. Like his eyes were welling up and he kind of choked up and he just, just thinking about what God means to us in our lives and what he's done for us and the mercy that he showed us. I think it, it, even if you are just sitting there, even if you're not actively praying, the hour is going to go by pretty fast. Mm-hmm faster than we think. It's it's a must, whether you're pastoring, whether you're a saint, whether you're teaching Bible studies, you know, it's especially young ministers. Uh, if you're not doing it, you need to do it. We're in that generation where most things kind of die off, right? That third, fourth generation, any movement that's been done, that's about the time that things start to change. Um, and that's us. We're living in that in that time. And if there was ever a time to reconnect, to reestablish that relationship, yeah. so we don't see this movement die off in our generation, God forbid that it moves to um, another country, you know, we got to take that mantle. Yeah, I remember I heard a preacher say it, and I agree. He said, the worst thing that can happen to a young man is he gets a pulpit before he learns how to pray. Mm, 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 mm. Amen. Because if the Lord lets him preach before he knows how to pray, he'll probably preach an okay message, and then he'll be able to preach without praying. Oh, Jesus. And the chances of him learning to pray are pretty low. And it's scary. I remember Brother Billy Cole said, you know, it was it didn't take me much prayer to learn to pray people through the Holy Ghost. And the Lord told him, he said, you're never going to have to pray again for people to get the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to pray to save your own soul. Amen, yeah. You know, and and you can have a quote unquote successful ministry without prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people won't agree with that, though. You you know, they'll say nothing will happen if you don't pray. That's not true. There's principles in the Word of God that if you put those principles to, in action, they're yeah. they'll work. Um, faith works. What, uh, however spiritual you are or not, faith works. And and now that doesn't mean you're going to be as successful yeah. without the leading of the Spirit. Well, you know, but you, you anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to take names, but. If if you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, just look at recently the things that have happened. The young, some of the younger ministers, you know what I mean? Uh, well, I say young because they were just in their early 30s or early f- 40s, you know what I mean? And today they were just dynamic in our organization and traveling and preaching for youth groups and uh, you know, every pastor's son wanted to be like that. Every young man wanted to be like this individual. You know what I mean? And and today they've just denied the faith. They've just denied, yeah. you know, yeah. because they just, they were not, you can tell, they were not about prayer. They were about hype and action. And, uh, you know, oh, people yeah. received the Holy Ghost because, you know, it's not his yeah. faith, but it's their faith that got them the Holy right. Ghost, that got them the healing right. and all of that. And so the end result is, as an individual, you want to be saved. And I, I yeah. wholeheartedly agree with what just you mentioned about Billy Cole. And that, that's yeah. something that I read a long time ago in a book with, with Brother Billy Cole saying, you know, we quote the scripture, what profit to the man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, you know. And we talk about them having finances and all the wealth in the world, right. but it cannot be applied for a man of God. Uh, what profits a man of God if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul? 
The only yes, way yeah. to make sure that you don't get lost is make sure that you spend time with God, stay connected with God. Uh, this success business, it just drives me nuts, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and people, young people trying to compare with people that have been there for 60 years, 70 years, and they see yeah. their ministry and think like, I'm, I'm nothing. I have done nothing. You know, don't compare yourself with them. Just, just see where God sees you at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Brother Song King, I think it's a well known saying that he, he quotes and he told me this, uh, when I first met him, he said, what, uh, you know, it matters not if the world has heard or seen. The only applause we meant to seek is that of the nail scarred hands. The rest mm. doesn't matter. The rest doesn't matter. Yeah. Forget mm. everyone else. You and your relationship with God is all that matters. And what you do yeah. for God, not for other people, not for the organization, but for God, you know, that's what matters to God. If yeah. he gives you a task, whatever task it is, just do that and know that God is happy with you. Yeah. You know, I get man, a that sounds like a wrap-up to me. Ah, Amen. I'm Amen. getting worked up here. <laughs> Will the organist please come? <laughs> yes. Any last words, Ryan? <laughs> no. Not last words, but last words for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, I enjoyed where the conversation went, though. And uh, as always, I always appreciate getting online with you guys and uh hopefully there's people out there listening that if we can fix our website if hey, not it may never <laughs> it'll happen it'll happen just kidding um if anyone out there is like superb at it and website issues man i might need some help i don't know it's getting ridiculous how many times this yeah. thing goes down or we might just need a new host that's in the discussion as well i guess that means it's time for us to uh wrap this up Thank you, guys, if you're listening. (laughs) Until next episode, remember, always remember, never forget, you matter to the kingdom of God. Amen. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.